And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Psalms and just concentrate with me on this psalm. Uh, we're going to read all eight verses, but we will concentrate mostly on the first half of it, although there is great uh, truths to be discovered in the latter half as well. But I want to focus on the first four verses today of Psalm 61. Read along in your Bible, if you will, or it'll be on the screens. David says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever, and let me take refuge in the shelter, in, under the shelter of your wings. Selah. Now that term, selah, is a, an expression, a musical expression that means when the person is conducting this particular song and you get to that point let there be an interlude and let it be that the singers and the listeners have moment to pause and reflect on the significance of that truth that has just been sung so when you're reading through the psalms and you come to that little word take a moment and reflect because that was god's intention by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the psalmist to have that moment just to let that settle in and then he continues on in verse 5 for you O God have heard my vows you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name prolong the life of the king may his years endure to all generations and in that I think David's not just praying about his own kingship and his own uh, throne I think he's speaking about that dynasty that will continue and even into eternity for the offspring of David will surely become the Messiah as the Lord Jesus has and in that he will endure to all generations may he be enthroned forever before God appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him so I will sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day which is an expression of obedience and worship that David has as he is living out the vows to his great God uh, which is namely known to us in Jesus Christ now I want to point out three things in this psalm focusing on the first four verses uh, for us to to really grab hold of and begin to walk in those truths and first is this that prayers matter our prayers matter david is helping us to discover this truth now if you know the backstory to this psalm you'll know that uh, there is a lot of trouble and turbulence that has been going on in the life of david especially with his son whose name is absalom if you remember the narrative of Absalom actually begins sometime before uh, as he has come to uh, bring an avenging movement against his other brother, his half-brother, um, Amnon. And if you remember, Absalom is first introduced to us as his sister Tamar has had a really wicked experience with her brother. All of them have the same father, King David with her brother who had a lustful intent towards his sister she was absolutely beautiful the scripture says and he had a desire in his flesh to be with her now that was not that was not to be uh, David had not given him the privilege of having her as a wife 
And Tamar had refused his advances to her numerous times, but Amnon was so desperate for her, the scripture talks about it as if it's all he could think about. He was driven in this lust for his sister, and he was refused by her. So he contrives a, a narrative with a friend of his in a way that he might put her in a compromising situation. He feigns sickness, acting as if he is sick, and he convinces his father, David, to have Tamar fix a meal for him and then bring that meal to him and feed him there on his supposed sickbed. But as she comes in a way of helping him, he dismisses everyone else from the room and then Amnon jumps up and he actually forces himself on Tamar and rapes her there. And the love that he had for her instantaneously turns to disdain and hatred and he pushes her out of the house and refuses to, to uh, even acknowledge her from that point forward. Tamar runs to the home of her brother Absalom who brings her into his home and provides care for her. And he does that for two years trying to reconstitute her life and health and all the emotional trauma that would go on with that. And while he is showing Tamar great love, he is building his animosity and hatred towards his brother Amnon. In fact, that goes on for a couple of years to the point it crests where he invites his brother to his home for a party for the sole purpose of taking his life. And that's exactly what he does. He, he brings an avenging act against his brother and kills him by his servants so that Tamar would not ever have to be around him again at the same time he's plotting against the life of his his half-brother he is building in his animosity for his father because his father knew of the crime that had been committed against Tamar but refused to act on it refused to make Amnon one to uh, bear the justice of the crime that he had committed against Tamar now, if you know the narrative of the history of the throne of David, you know that uh, David longed to have some reconciliation with Absalom, but he refused to move on it, to act on it. Absalom has taken up residence just east of the Sea of Galilee where his maternal grandfather has lived, and he sort of settles in that place. He knows what's going on in the kingdom, and David knows about him, but they are not in dialogue with each other. One of the generals for David's army, his name is Joab, he actually goes to Absalom and sort of brings a mediation between the two of them, which happens, but it's, it's not ever quite the same. Absalom roots himself back in Jerusalem when their so-called reconciliation has happened, but he's constantly stirring against the king. He maneuvers to have himself appointed as a judge in the city of Jerusalem and while he's there judging in the city of Jerusalem he starts saying things like this to the people you know if I were ever appointed king I wouldn't do things like that if I were appointed king this is what I would provide for you the people and he brings an undercurrent to the throne of David such that there is in the end a lot of people that have mobilized themselves with Absalom 
and in a rejection of David so much that David, fearing for his life and the revolt of the people and the coup that Absalom is going to bring against his throne, actually leaves out of Jerusalem, out of the city of David on the eastern side, goes up into the Mount of Olives and over into the wilderness where he hides among the thousands of caves that are in that area. Now there is a, an advisor of King David who has stayed behind in the holy city and he has confided with Absalom in a way that would be helpful to David. And when Absalom wants to pursue David and the very few men who have left with him and family, this advisor says to him, don't do that. L leave him alone for now. You can pursue him later. But in that little lag, David is actually uh, given the opportunity to amass some forces and people together and they will bring a charge against uh, Absalom in the city and he will retake the throne that coup will not survive for a long period of time now it's while David is here in the wilderness in all that strife and all that turmoil that he writes the 61st Psalm think about everything that's gone on in his life his son has a real disdain and hatred for him he has murdered his other son. One of his daughters has been raped by a son. He's, he has been dethroned and in pursuit of, knowing that his life will probably not last if Absalom comes against him. In the midst of all that, the 61st Psalm is written. So if you're here today and you have trouble, if you're here today and you have hardship, if you're here today and you sense isolation or loneliness or despair or whatever it is, this is one of those psalms that you can lock into because God wants you to know how you might have answers in the midst of your trouble. There are few times that I stand on the platform that I have very specific purpose for a passage or a specific message. This is one of them, though. I wrote this with the intention of speaking directly to a number of people in our faith family who are going through some real hardship in their life, some sicknesses that have overcome them, some isolation and loneliness that has prevailed in their life, some brokenness in family, some financial crisis. I was thinking very specifically about families and individuals in this body of Christ when I came to the Lord asking would he give me direction that I might speak some truth from the platform to you so I have you in mind let's think about this here's the first thing that I want us to grab hold of whatever it is that you're dealing with your prayers matter they matter they matter to you they matter to people around you they matter to the situation they certainly matter to God David had a great responsibility in the in the disintegration of his family what he is experiencing in brokenness the consequences of that he is responsible but as certainly there are others who are culpable of their their actions and the the brokenness that are that is evident in the family but David knew his own responsibility as well he's one who has repented who has come back to the way of God, who has surrendered his life to God, such that God says his heart is for me, it's after me, but there are consequences that continue, and this that we're reading about and hearing about today is one of them. Remember, David had acted in a violent way, a sexual way towards Bathsheba. Now, some might say it was an adulterous affair. Can I tell you in the responsibility that David had as king over all the people, 
who finds a subject that is attracted to and brings her to his palace. You might call that affair, but many people call that rape, and I sort of concur with that. So David is recognizing some of the consequences that God brought into his life when he said, your family will always be in division. There will always be a sword against you. David recognizes that his own actions has brought the consequences that has lived out in his life. Maybe you're like that. I know there's some action that I have done that brings consequences to me, my family, to my friends, and even to this church. That's just what sin does. It brings consequences. The Lord saves, yes, the Lord forgives. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness when we confess it to Him. But the consequences sometimes are lasting. In the middle of that, prayer matters. Or maybe what you're going through is not the consequences of a sin. Maybe it's the consequence of living in a broken world. A broken world that's filled with sickness and disease. A broken world that is uh, in opposite way in direction to the goodness of God. A world that is in need of reconciliation and redemption by the Lord himself. Maybe you're experiencing those kind of things. I want you to hear prayer matters. Your prayer matters to God. So David loved his kingdom, but he's isolated from the kingdom. David loved his palace, but he's been removed from the palace. David loved the anointing call of God, but he can't exercise in that call right now. He loves to draw near to God and worship, but he can't go to the place of God where he can worship. He loved the people of God, but he could not be with the people of God. He was isolated from them in the Judean wilderness. David is there hiding from the evil intentions of his son Absalom. And he hid there in the caves. And as he describes in this 61st Psalm, it's as if he's at the end of the earth. Now, mind you, he's not at the end of the earth. He's only 20 miles from the holy city. But he is in such a place of isolation such a place of rejection, such a low place in his life, physically, emotionally, and perhaps even spiritually, that it's as if he feels like he's at the end of the earth. Have you ever been in a place like that? Where you're just thinking, God, I don't see the way back. I don't see the journey back spiritually. I don't see the journey back emotionally. I don't see the journey back physically. I don't see the journey back. It's as if I am at the other end where I need to be. And Lord, I need you. It's in those times that prayer matters. I would imagine in this room today, in fact, I know of some of your situations, that you find yourself in that place of isolation. You find yourself in the, in the wilderness, if you will. You're, you're physically isolated from sickness or disease. There are a number of our people that are watching online right now. And they have to watch online because their sickness or disease precludes them from coming to this place. And I'm grateful for the online ministry that we have for the streaming services that we provide them. But they will tell you it's good, but it's not the same as being there with the people of God. They're isolated and they're alone. And I want you to hear, God knows where you are. And your prayers matter. The prayers of this faith family matter for you. Perhaps you find yourself removed from what is comfortable and and known. David found himself there, dejected from family, friends, and co-workers. Maybe it's the vitality of life that you once had is not yours anymore. And you just wonder, will you ever have that strength again? 
Maybe you know that kind of life. Or it might be that you're emotionally pressed into a place of seclusion or darkness. Maybe it's in that place of despair that you have a hard time trying to figure out how to navigate out of the duress. How do you get back to the journey where life is good again? Or, or maybe it is that you're in a spiritual dry land. It seems that you've had all the spiritual refreshment drained from your life. And you wonder, will you ever experience the significance of God again, the Word again, the presence of God again, like you once did? Well, like David, we all have seasons of brokenness, times of isolation where we are far removed physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I want you to hear that in that place, when your heart seems faint, like David's, when you seemed upside down or the word that he uses is overwhelmed when you sense that far and removed from god here's what i want you to know from the end of the earth david says i call to you when my heart is faint the answer is in calling out to god the answer is in finding him the strength that he can provide you no matter what pushes you down or pushes you out prayer is always available to you say well i'm too far out i'm too far gone my friends you are never too far from prayer in fact when you find the end of the earth it just might be that you find the beginnings of heaven in your life that's the place that god says reach out to me so heaven is often closest when we come to the end of this world i know as others know you can experience the closeness of god when you feel the most remote in this world when you feel the isolation of this world it might be that you'll find the closeness of God prayer matters number two when we have difficulty finding strength and refuge the Lord will lead us to what is greater than ourselves if we will ask him you ever had that moment where you just didn't even know how to pray didn't know what to pray for can we just be transparent enough to say that even in those times sometimes we don't even feel like praying i've gone into the hospital room before with people and see the bible sitting close by and i might make reference to it oh if you've been reading the scripture and some of them will get gut level honest with me and say pastor i want to read it but when i read it it doesn't settle in it's just sort of muddled in my mind right now i can't quite grab hold of it i can't grab the truth can't understand what i'm reading it doesn't seem to be fitting where i am right now i understand sometimes as the body soul and spirit is all intertwined to make the whole of us when you have a weakness in one it spills over into other areas of our life including our spiritual life there might be a time like david when your only prayer is god lead me to what is greater than me lead me to the rock that is higher than i lead me to that place in other words david is not even knowing how to express his needs all he knows is that christ is higher than him lead me to him he will know my needs he will meet my needs have you ever been to that place some of you might be there right now lead me to the rock that is higher for david there was only one source of strength and refuge and it was not going to be found in himself it wasn't going to be found in the strength of his allies. It would not be in the fierce determination that he would have as, as an individual. It would not even be in the mighty fortification that he might amass together. David knew that he desperately needed strength from God, from a rock in his life. And if God would just take him there, 
Put me on the rock. Place me on the rock where I can have refuge. Something higher than I. Something greater than I can accomplish. Something greater than I can bring into my life. Bring me to Jesus. So in humility, he is recognizing there is one greater and he's asking the Father to take him there. So we must always set our hope on Jesus. He is the greater source in our life. He is the rock in our life. Are you overwhelmed in a situation right now? Far and removed, lonely, isolated, experiencing great trouble physically, emotionally, spiritually? Then let your prayer be, lead me to the rock that is greater, higher than I. I know medicine is good, and I'm all for it, but can I remind you that medicine is comprised of theories and practices and trials there is a rock greater than medicine, and it is Jehovah Rapha, Jesus the great healer. Your friends can be helpful, but they are not infallible, and they are not inerrant. So lead me to the higher rock, the eternal truth of Jesus Christ. Houses provide shelter and protection, but they are not a mighty fortress that can stand through all the ages of time. There is a higher rock, and it's Jesus, the eternal strong tower and deliverer. So lead us to the rock, God, I pray. When you've reached the pinnacle of achievement and all that science can offer to you and all the human goodness and benevolence that the world can give you, you remain in a shadow of a rock that is higher than all of that. When you have a nation like ours that is fortified with the most intense military in all the world, greatest in technology, and the people who wear the uniform of this country are the greatest among all the world, but yet we all remain in a shadow even mightier than them. The hope is not in self-effort, not in self-determination or self-deliverance. Our hope is in the rock, Jesus, which is greater and higher than we could ever be. In an anguishing heart, David is moved to the reality that there is one greater and higher than him, and he asks God, lead me to him. That might be your prayer today. When you don't know what else to pray, you don't know how to pray, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to Jesus. That's the reason why David concludes over in the 18th Psalm, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He knew him to be that. This passage drew me in because I have been thinking and praying for specifically along with Kay, so many in our faith family calling you out by name, many of you on a daily basis. And I'm asking the Lord to do a great work in you. Many of you are suffering from significant sickness and disease. There is in your life a remoteness. For some of you, a desolation. The treatments and the therapies that you have been undertaking have had immeasurable impact on your body and on your emotions and on your relationship and on your finances. You sense the crushing weight of all that. And I want you to know there is a rock higher than what you're experiencing. And I am praying, along with many in this faith family, that God would lead you to that higher rock. Some of you are facing 
the loss of loved ones. You never imagined life without that loved one, but now you find that to be the reality, and the mourning and the grieving is crushing to you. And I have been praying that God today would take you to a rock that is greater than the lowest of your mourning. Still others overwhelmed with brokenness without any possibility, it seems, of a resolution and in the faintness of your life and the loneliness of your nights and the isolation of your days I pray that God would lift you to a rock that is higher than your situation that you would come to know Jesus in all of his strength some of you are like a ship caught in the midst of a violent storm you find yourself tossed to and fro wondering where the end will be you find yourself going down into the trough of the wave and all you see on all sides is nothing but water and has the tendency to crash in on you or perhaps you might rise to the next wave and if it doesn't crash in it will quickly roll out from under you and jostle your life about I pray that God today would give you sight to a rock that is higher than your situation higher than the life that you're living right now so lead me to the rock the rock that is greater than my cancer. Lead me to the rock that is greater than my struggling finances. Lead me to the rock that is greater than my broken relationship. Lead me to the rock that is greater than my grieving heart. Lead me to the rock that will be greater than whatever situation you're going through. Lead me to the rock. What a prayer. Your prayer matters. Even if it's the most simplest of prayers, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And now look at this third we find refuge and renewal when you're in that rock in the presence of God. There's your refuge. There's your renewal. He says in Psalm 61 verse 4, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under your sh the shelter of your wings. The tent for which David is referring is the tabernacle of God. It's the place that God had determined his presence would dwell. The tabernacle. David had taken refuge there among the people many times. He was faithful to draw near to God in that place. He knew God's presence was there, and he took refuge there. He, he envisioned it like God being a hen who gathers chicks under her wings to provide all the protection that they need. He saw God as that kind of refuge to him. If he could get to the presence of God, if he could get to the dwelling place of God, he knew that God would provide for him there. People of faith in Jesus Christ experience God and his presence differently than David did. Oh, sure, God had made his self manifest the Shekinah glory of God there in the tabernacle. And he had purposely done that, that people might draw near to him as he has purposed to draw near to them. But it's not like that for us. For those who have faith in Christ Jesus, and your life is surrendered to him, God is not in a tent. God is not off in some dwelling place that you can't get to. By virtue of faith, God is indwelling you by His Holy Spirit. His presence never to leave you. Now think of the significance of that. Lead me to the rock. If you're in faith in Christ, He has led you to that rock. I think the prayer could be for us in this side of eternity, uh, this side of the cross and the resurrection. Lord, lead me to understand the significance of being on the rock of Jesus Christ and indwelling 
the Spirit indwelling in me that I might be with Him and Him with me for all time. Lead me to that truth. In spite of what I'm experiencing, no matter what I'm going through, let me bank on that truth that your presence is my refuge, it is my strength. Lead me to that truth. So that by the promise of God, He will never leave us or forsake us. No matter the distress we may feel, the sorrow we may suffer, God's presence is always with us. Sin will not drive Him away. Circumstance will not deport Him from us. We may grieve the work of the Holy Spirit, and we might quench that work, but He will never leave us. We may lose the sense of His presence, but He will never leave us and never forsake us. His presence is forever with us. So no matter what you're dealing with in life, could you agree with this statement that's on the screen? Jesus is the rock that is greater than I. By faith, I acknowledge His presence in my life, and I take refuge in Him. Could you come to that truth? No matter your experiences, no matter your feelings, no matter the weakness that you find yourself in, no matter the brokenness in your life, could you come to that place that David has come to? And you're talking about a man who has experienced a lot of brokenness. Could you come to this point that God, the Lord Jesus, is my rock, and I acknowledge His presence in my life, and I choose to take refuge and strength from Him. And if you will do that, my friends, then you'll find that Jesus is greater than your cancer or your failing health. At your lowest and sickest days, and some of you have immensely low and sick days, the presence of the Lord has not left you. He is with you in the midst of that sickness, and He will be your refuge. So your prayer is, lead me to the rock. Jesus is greater than your grieving heart. You might say, my darkness and my most distressing days is present, but they are lived with the presence of Jesus. Therefore, I take refuge in Him. Lead me to the rock, Lord. Or Jesus is greater than my broken relationships. My confusion and my hurt are being experienced, but they are experienced with the presence of Christ in me. So I take refuge in what I'm experiencing with the presence of Christ. Could I ask you, are you troubled right now? Are you discouraged? Are you diseased? Are you experiencing brokenness? Are you grieving? Then this passage is for you. David knew exactly what you were experiencing. And he wants you to know prayer matters. And when you say, I can't even get the prayer out, then let it just simply be, lead me to a rock higher than thee, Lord. Lead me to Jesus. And though I might be experiencing all of this, let me take refuge in his presence. I want to pray for you. And then we'll have a closing song that I think will speak to this passage. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, I'll be looking around and so will our staff because we want to pray for you. If this passage speaks to your heart in the troubledness of your life, would you just slip up your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Yeah, all over the house. Anybody else? 
just as an acknowledgement, yes, thank you. Just pray for me. I want to pray this passage over you. Hear our cry, O God. Listen to our prayers. From the end of the earth, we call to you as our hearts are faint, overwhelmed, turned upside down. Lead us to the rock that is higher than us. For you have been our refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. So let us dwell in your presence forever. Let us take refuge under the shelter of your wings. And oh Lord, I pray that that significant prayer would have impact. From heaven you would act in ways that only you can act with the greatness that you alone have, with the strength and with the healing and with the touch that only you possess. For you alone are Jehovah Rapha. You alone are El Shaddai. You alone are the eternal Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. You alone can rectify and you can reconcile. You can redeem. Who else, Lord, has the power and the glory but you? So we take refuge in you, find our strength in you and your presence. We stand on a rock, and though everything else around us is quaking, and seems to be collapsing out from under us. We stand on the rock. Bless our people, Lord, I pray with your word. In the name of Jesus, amen.